what we do is we help agents get more businesses by just taking the photos that they share online and converting them into instant landing pages with the live chat. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sales Biz. I appreciate you all taking the time. Before we get kick off our episode, folks, once again, go ahead and subscribe, like, and if you have any feedback for us today or want to see something else on this podcast, go ahead and drop some comments down below. Today, my guest has a long line of real estate experience and now has his own company, founder and CEO of his own company, Cato, which helps real estate agents communicate better with their clients. Um, super excited to have him share his journey, talk about uh, our experiences pre and post pandemic, and uh, try to get as much insight from, from him as possible. Mr. Michael Lamb. Michael, welcome, brother. Hey, thank you, Mike, for inviting me. I'm excited to be on your show. What's good? Everything's good, my man. We're healthy and happy. That's all that matters these days. Hey, I'm happy for this new year. <laughs> Amen to that. Appreciate you taking the time, bud. You and I are both very, uh, well, I, I'd like to say very native. I grew up in San Francisco, though, though. You're in the San Jose region, so clearly we're very your brothers here. But let's yeah. dive into your uh, experience. I mentioned you have some real estate experience, but let's dive into coming out of San Jose City University. What, did, what happened with Michael Lamb? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm a computer science major, came out with an engineering degree and then got into that field um, and then worked in the field for a couple of years before I decided to do my own thing. You know, it's, uh, it was to that point where, I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs probably went through the same experience where they just feel, felt like they're doing the same thing routinely over and over. And they come to a point where you just realize, man, you just need to make a bigger impact. You want to have full control on what you're doing. And entrepreneurship is the epitome of full control. You know, whether it's good or bad, you're 100% responsible for everything. And, and that's exactly what I kind of you know, dove into. Uh, I think it was like 2017, 16 is when I first started. I started Go Hire, another right. company prior to Cato. And then Cato kind of spawned off uh, after Go Hire, uh, after a couple of years uh, on that venture. Awesome. So did you get into real estate right away, Michael, or is it just something that you ended up stumbling upon throughout your career? It's a good question. Uh, I mean, I've always been in real estate. Um, so even before Cato, when I started this company, it's uh, I've been investing in real estate right out of college. Uh, so and I went through the traditional route of buying my first house, using that house as uh, a foundation to build more equity and ended up buying additional rentals, um, did some flips, um, sold some rentals. Uh, I had decided to do some even commercial real estate investing. So I kind of been involved in a lot of different aspects of real estate, which got me a lot of good experience before I decided to run into Cato. Got it. And was it, uh, it sounds like you were just doing the more in the investment style, but did you have like a specific niche that you were good at? Was it the underwriting, the no, finding process sales? That's a good question. No, it was just me. I mean, when I first started, it was just trying to, you know, stack my chips, so to speak, you know, buy homes, hold them. And then we, you know, when we did our first flip, um, you know, we didn't actually hire anyone. So we made a lot of mistakes. The first flip we did, we, we ended up doing all the work ourselves, thinking that we can like contract some of the pieces up of it out. And man, it, it just never worked. I mean, I, I'm, we, we ended up holding a house for a whole year 
Uh, fortunately, we were able to make money out of it. It was just because we bought it right when this, when the housing crashed. We bought it in 2009. So that, that was like the bottom of the market. And I can't believe how much the price has risen since then. I wish I held on to my properties. I would have, I would have had a, I mean, at this one house we bought, for, it was less than 200000 I think if I recall, and we ended up selling it more than 300, but we think now we thought that was great, but now that home is worth 600. I'm like kicking myself in the butt, <laughs> but who, but you never can predict the market. You know, that's the thing I always tell people don't, don't try to predict it. Yeah. The last decade in the Bay area alone, San Jose, San Francisco, alike have been absolutely absurd. And the crazy part is, I mean, I'll tell you the rental aspect of it, from a buying standpoint, the, the momentum has not stopped. It seems like it's only getting faster, if anything. It's too tight. It, it, right now, it just I just feel bad for anyone, to be honest, trying to buy a house now or anyone renting. I mean, either way, it's expensive. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's to the point where it could, you know, it could be beneficial either way. I mean, you're paying such a high rent, you might as well buy your house, especially if you're going to put your roots down. Yeah. Absolutely. So computer science major that was passionate about investing into real estate. Yeah, that's how it turned. And then you said you started a company, GoHire. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about GoHire. Yeah, I started with my, um, uh, a partner of mine. Uh, You know, we started at another company together. Uh, We we worked together at another company. And uh, when, uh, when he got laid off and when I was working at another company, we decided, hey, why don't we just join up? Uh, and we ended up doing that together. Uh, he had a lot of experience in the HR industry. So we uh, teamed up. I did all the technical. He did all of the business development. I ended up, uh, we ended up building one of the most viral chatbots at the time on Messenger. So when we say viral, it was literally, we built it out to help people find jobs where it would, you know, you just ask it a few questions. It would answer the questions with jobs that you can search for. And when we deployed it, it went in like it was around Thanksgiving break. And when we deployed it, it went in over a hundred countries doing a hundred thousand messages the first 30 days. So it just wow. kind of blew off. I mean, I remember when I signed on to Facebook and just to see these messages and, and they were having conversations with our bot. I, I literally thought it was a virus. I mean, I couldn't believe our system was interacting with these consumers looking for jobs and it was just going from different countries all over the place. Uh, so it was a great success for us. That was an early success for a go hire. Uh, and then after a year or so, I decided to just leave. It was just, you know, I never was passionate about HR. So I ended up, uh, you know, and, and anyone that's in the HR business knows that if you try to work in the enterprise, everything takes super long. I mean, if you're worried about red tape, just like double, triple red tape in the HR industry. So uh, I just didn't have the patience for that. And then that, and I just didn't have the passion. I mean, at that time, I was already investing in real estate uh, before I decided <laughs> in that space. So as much as you tried to get away from real estate by doing HR, coding, and other things, <laughs> real estate just kept coming back to you. It did. it did. So how did you come up with Cato then? Obviously, you did a lot of investments. Uh, you were dealing with a lot of real estate agents, other professionals, and you saw something broken. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about the problem that you saw. Yeah, so it's, you know, I, I, w- I would like to think I was probably one, I was those buyers that were very techie. So, you know, I, at that time in 2000 and uh, man, I, I'm trying to think back when I bought my first house, I think it was in uh, uh, 2009, you said, right? Was it 2009 when I bought my first house and 
or 2000, 2008, 2008, that time, I mean, we weren't as advanced now in searching for homes, meaning I, I would carry around a spreadsheet of all the homes that I liked and I'll write my own notes. Now you don't have to get to that level, but I was very techie and there was a lot of challenges with just buying my first house, just dealing with so many different agents. Um, and I was always more, uh, I always beat the agent to the punch. Like I would know more about the house than the agent would. And, and even the communication, I saw there was an issue. Like there was a, there was a lag in the way I would want to communicate, but the agent would never respond fast enough. And that has always been a problem with me working with agents. It's just uh, agents were just a bit too slow and information was, 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 was really prevalent everywhere. I mean, it's 2009, 2010, 11, 12, and things just got bigger, wider, more accessible. Uh, agents just weren't keeping up. And that's, you know, when I saw that, I saw there was a great opportunity of leveraging something like a live chat, which Cato, uh, which Cato is, is, you know, we are a live chat company. We are ready to engage. Oh without having to code, without even having to set up anything. It's literally take the phone, take a photo of your house and a landing page is made instantly for that property and the live chat is ready to talk. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a pretty cool product. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm guessing your target market is every real estate agent paying this out of the pocket just to, is it a per use model? Is it a subscription model? How does it work? Yeah, it's a subscription model. Um, right now, we are in the real estate space, but it pretty much can be used by any company that wants a landing page uh, and uses photos. If you use photos as part of your landing page, you can essentially use Cato for this. Got it. So you're going after the real estate market first, can you like taking the Amazon book approach before uh, dancing with other industries? Yeah, we want to try that. And, and it was it's a natural progression to that industry just because of my connections prior to starting Cato. Um, and it was just easier to, because I already had all these contacts just to kind of throw ideas at and get buy-in before we uh, went to market. Got it. So as a computer specialist and obviously passionate about real estate, tell me a little bit about the sales aspect of it. Uh, obviously, with your investments and everything, you have to do some negotiating and then obviously as a CEO and founder, you're probably negotiating with everyone, whether it's internal, external, et cetera. Where did you pick up those skills, Michael? You know, when, well, when it comes to negotiating, I wasn't doing that. So when it comes to real estate sales, it's my agent doing that. But strategically, how we set up contracts, um, I would be very well involved with the agent. Like, you know, during 2009, I remember clearly, or 2008, I had a very limited budget and I was competing with a bunch of cash buyers. And, and I tell even buyers now who are struggling to you know, win deals because they're dealing with other investors who have cash. I mean, they're picking up properties now for like 1.5 million cash, 2 million cash. So as a buyer who has like a 20% down, you would think you're a strong buyer, but in reality, you're not when you compare to the cash uh, buyers. Um, and that was, that's always been a struggle, um, you know, how we uh, purchase properties, but I've always been involved in the strategic side of like, how do you put a contract together or, or what can we make the, what we, what we can do to, the, to make the contract stronger, you know, and I would do things, you know, me and my family would write letters to our sellers before the agent even told us to do something like that. I would write a letter and put a picture of our family and really try to convince the seller, look, we might not have the best like, like financial deal, 
but you got the best buyer who's going to take care of your house. And we knew that emotionally, sellers are very emotionally attached to the house. So it's not just about the money. You know, we realize like homeowners, they care about who's going to live in the house. And you can really tap into that um, emotional side of things. Uh, you know, with that letter with your family, a picture that really helps. And that actually ended up, uh, we got a, one of our house that we really wanted. We ended up buying a house um, and beating out two cash buyers. And one was significantly higher than ours. And we knew we won. Uh, and they told us how we won because of that letter. Yeah. You're so emotionally attached to it. I mean, people, families have lived there, saw their kids growing up there. Sometimes they grew up them, them, there themselves. So I like that strategy. I, I saw it worked a few times when my wife and I were looking for a house in Oakland. Uh, yeah. We lost a couple of competitors too. We didn't have any cash offers, but at the same time, we had a pretty strong offer, but we saw some of those letters and yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, negotiating-wise, sales-wise, I mean, you deal with, I'm sure, as a CEO, a founder, all the time. Do you have any sort of sales background? Do you have any sort of uh, a training that you've done on the sales side? No, before? it's all kind of just on the fly, literally. It's, you know, the entrepreneurship thing is truly a fast course to everything, especially sales. And I know people say, well, you need to be good at sales before you even try something like this, or this is one of your key um, skill set to have. Um, so I wouldn't say I had formal training, but I used to sell cars uh, uh, before this. So my, my father owns a dealership or a uh, used car dealership. So I would use his cars and sell it when I was in college. So I would drive his cars off the lot, use it and drive it, you know, for college. But then I would sell it as well. And I would do that throughout my years in college. So I guess that helped. <laughs> Selling it while you're driving it to college. Right, so right. Right. It's a used car. I'm selling it as a used car. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, So, I mean, entrepreneurship, I get it. You know, you're, you're making it up as you go. You're Googling, you're calling people, you're trying to figure it out yourself. What specifically drove you to entrepreneurship though? I mean, not everyone wants to be a CEO and a founder of a, a company. I mean, you're doing so well on the investment side, you know, what made you want to take that next step and actually own a company? That's a great question. Um, great question, because you're right. It's like 1% of the world's population is going to do something like this. And that's not an opportunity anybody. It's just a different mindset, different breed. I mean, you're not, I mean, the, the, the feeling of stability of an income check every week or every month, it's beautiful. That's a, that's a very uh, uh, addictive feeling of knowing that you're going to get a paycheck every month uh, whether it's real security or uh, you know it's that you, know, you think or may not be security but that feeling is amazing right knowing you can get that monthly check so to jump into entrepreneurship and know that you're not going to have income for a while and you have stack, you have the chip stack against you because 99.9% you're going to fail um, so you really have a very slim chance of actually succeeding. And I, I, I wouldn't say I'm succeeding right now. I mean, I mean, my third year in, we got a lot of great stuff that we're doing with Cato, but again, I, you know, it's, I'm not even breathing. I'm still feeling like, you know, I'm drowning. Um, but it's the, it's the feeling of just building a legacy, doing something where you can put your stamp on it in that journey. I think that journey is what's amazing. What a lot of people don't understand is, yeah, you don't get an income. Yeah, you don't. It's very stressful. 
but it's like that hustle and that drive and that challenge of trying to beat that stat. I think that, and that's something that I don't hear a lot of people talk about, but I know entrepreneurs have that competitive feeling. I was like, man, I, you know, everybody says you're going to fail. I mean, statistically, but that drive and the challenge of, you know what, I want to beat that stat. I don't want to be the one that's successful. That kind of drives me. Like I'm competitive to that point where I, I'm so confident that I know I can beat it, but uh, having that stack against me is a challenge. And, and, and it is, it's most mind-blowingly uh, difficult. Did you always knew that, you know, even when you were investing in real estate, like, yeah, I'm one of these days, it sounds like I'm going to own my own company, just the way I'm managing everyone and making recommendations, taking risks. Did you have that inner drive that you were going to start a company or just kind of fell into it as you kept going forward? I knew. I mean, even my wife knew it. She was telling me, I mean, my wife's a great support of mine. Like I would never have actually, I would never have started my entrepreneurship without her blessing. Because with us at that time, I had two kids, three kids, I think, on my third child. And so we, you know, at that time, I think, Caitlin, my oldest, she was like five years old at that time. So, you you know, I have all these toddlers in the household and I'm the only one making income. So my wife, she just told me, Mike, you're not going to be happy. So you might as well do something that you love. And if you're going to fail, fail at it hard, right? I mean, that's essentially what she was trying to say to me. And, you know, when she gave me that blessing, that's when I went all in and kind of, and just quit my job. Because before then I try to do it halfway and I try to have a regular job and all, all, you know, off hours, I would run my own company or try to stop my own thing, but it never worked well. I mean, I ended up wasting money, wasting effort. Um, and then until I started doing it full-time is when I saw a dramatic improvement uh, in, in the progress I was making. Got it. Uh, entrepreneurship wise, let's say someone came to you tomorrow and said, Hey, Michael, I need, I want to start my own company. I have this drive. I'm competitive. What would you tell him or her uh, to do first? I would, I would say you need to make sure you really understand what you're getting yourself into, because there's something I, you know, I like to call entrepreneurship porn. You know, it's fake. Like you <laughs> get on the news media, like you see the successful entrepreneurs that go IPO and get bought and acquired, but there are so many thousands of companies that fail. And I think, you know, before you jump on, jump into it, you got to realize that's what you're facing, that you are going to most likely fail. And are you willing to risk all this money? You know, another way you want to think about it is I wouldn't call it a risk. It's, it's more of like a trade-off is, are you willing to invest X amount of money that may be successful or not, but it's an investment in your own personal development? Because whether you are successful or not, the fact that you went through this journey for a year or two and you end up failing, those two years are incredibly powerful because you, you learn so much. So, you know, even me standing here, if, I might, if, if Cato shuts down next year, for example, it's not going to, but if it did, I would never have regrets because those three years running Cato, I've learned so much and met so many incredible people and network with people like you, Mike, like just amazing people. So, you know, don't ever think of it as a risk, but think of it and ask yourself, am I willing to invest a hundred thousand, 50,000 into this business so I can learn all of these things. And if I'm successful, great. If I fail, you know, don't feel bad about it, but understand that's an investment in your personal development. I could not agree with you more, my man. Literally, I live by this. It's just, just try. You know, you don't have to do 
You don't have to succeed. Just try it. See what happens. Yeah. Start a podcast. Start a SaaS company. Invest in the real estate. What's the worst that could happen? Right. Um, so, no, 100% agree with you. Um, and last question for you, Mike. I know we're approaching up on time here. If you had to go back and tell, had the opportunity to tell your 18-year-old self one thing, what would you tell younger Michael Lamb? That's a great question. Um, I would say the, I would say work at a startup as early as possible. That's one of my biggest regrets. I went out and tried to work for a big company right out of college when in reality, actually, I just went straight to a startup. I would have learned so much more and would have prepared me better in, uh, in, in what I am, where I am right now. Couldn't agree with you more. You and I speak the same language, man. I love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's awesome. My brother-in-law just got out of college like four years ago. And literally anyone that actually gets out of college, I immediately tell him, go work at something that's like 20 employees or less that just got funded or something like that. You'll yeah. wear so many hats, learn so many things, and you'll be happier with yourself and the work you do. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, Michael, it's been a pleasure, my man. I really appreciate it. Love to see another Bay Area native continuing to crush it out there. Really excited for what Cato has in store for you. And please don't forget to stay in touch. All right, Mike. Appreciate you bringing me on your podcast. I wish you all the best this year and more. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it.